Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. The Dog Show is brought to you in part by All the Best Pet Care, all the best food, treats, and toys for your dog and cat. Find them online at allthebestpetcare.com. And The Dog Show is also brought to you in part by Jet City Animal Clinic and Dr. Erica Anderson, located on 12th Avenue in Seattle, right across from Seattle U. JetCityAnimalClinic.com. She is a traditional vet with an open mind. Such a nice balance. And can't wait to get her on the show. Today, we have Joni Sarita back with us. Nice to have you in the booth again. I am so happy to be happy, 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 happy year. (laughs) Happy spring. Oh, my God. I wish it was. First day of spring. What a nice day to take your dog for a while. Oh, wait. Now it's (laughs) raining. Wait. Now it's sunny. It's been the day today. First day of spring, Mm -hmm. very appropriate. Many portions of today are good (laughs) Mm -hmm. for taking your dog for a while. There have been many moments. (laughs) Uh, Well, Joni is with us today um, to talk about her clinical aromatic work, which is not the same as aromatherapy, I've just learned. That's right. So aromatherapy is is used with massage. Correct. And... That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about your aromatic work, and that's what it's called? Yeah. Aromatics? Aromatic work, animal aromatic. Okay. Yes. So so the first thing that came to mind for me is, okay, so I'm familiar with aromatics. Mm -hmm. I mean, mildly, right? But for a dog, dog's sense of smell... You know, I've talked about this a lot on the show. Their sense of smell is so much more complex than ours, and they're, we Absolutely. can't even really comprehend how they experience their sense of smell. Mm-hmm. So how is it different for them than it is for people? Well, it's so their sense of smell is so magnetized. Um, and in the wild, of course, you know that they had— um, they survive that way through identification, sure. whether it's— um, their mother or their mate or plants that they need to eat to keep healthy. Yeah. Um, we've kind of taken that away from them. We've put them into an environment of a home, but they still can smell what we're cooking, our wash. Um, they can smell us. They can smell the plastics. Sure. Um, so their their sense of smell has never gone away mm-hmm. like the human sense of smell has gone away. Huh. And their sense of smell triggers instinct and survival where we can kind of talk ourselves out of the instinct part. Mm. So um, they really rely on smell as survival. Yeah. It's their primary sense, Mm -hmm. uh, the way they get the most information from their environment. And one thing that's interesting that I've heard about people, and it's interesting to sort of ponder this as it pertains to dogs, But I've heard that the sense of smell is the one that's the most connected to emotion for people. Correct. Uh, That's true. And, you know, it can be for animals as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I have dealt with a lot of um, dogs in emotional situations. Uh, A lot of uh, dogs that have been traumatized, Mm -hmm. abused, uh, and also through um, death, Mm -hmm. uh, pet loss, um, so it, it, it really can go in depth in so many ways, but yeah, it's very tied into emotion with dogs as well. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you do with, when you're working with a client is, uh, you know, and you were talking a little bit about this 
is, you know, really looking at how they react to the smell Mm -hmm. to let them tell you to sort of let them self-select or let you know their reaction. And, And of course, I've talked about this before on the show in other contexts, but how important listening is if you're working with a dog to listen to the dog Mm -hmm. and well what does that mean because they don't talk so what does it mean to listen to a dog and you described a couple of examples of of dogs reactions to scents will you share Mm -hmm. share that with our listeners you know uh, nothing can buy experience case study experience and so I feel really fortunate to do this for so many years and each time I deal with a dog, it's almost something different, their reaction. But you have to learn their body language for positive reaction of wanting that oil. It's almost like self-selection. They are self-selecting that aroma. Right. And so I've had actually dogs um, where they will want the scent that you'll take it out and uncap it and you'll kind of offer it to them. But they may have to walk 10 feet to a wall or a door, and they'll turn around and sit and face you, and they're trying to tell you, I, I like that. I need that for my body, but I need it from that distance. That's yeah. how sensitive they are. Then I've seen dogs just lay right next to me, right next to the bottle, where <laughs> they're just really... I can't get enough of this. Exactly. Get it all over me. Yeah. yeah. So but you're right. Body language is such a key. Mm-hmm. Um, what does it look like if they have a negative response? Oh. They usually will leave the room. They'll turn their head. They yeah. definitely let you. They usually will turn away from you. Uh huh. And stay, stay turned away stay rather turned than away. move further away, Correct. but then face you. Correct. And, and I, I guess it would be individual because mm-hmm. people have some Absolutely. people like patchouli, some mm-hmm. don't. That's a really good point. And I'll tell you why this is so important um, because there's so many people out there who might take like a six-hour aromatherapy course and go home and use it on them or their animals. They don't force it on their pet. (laughs) This is actually medicine. It each oil is made up of so many chemical components, Mm -hmm. um, and they all have frequency. So um, the frequencies will kind of resonate with the emotional aspect, Mm -hmm. but um, uh, the you have to know really what makes up lavender. Mm-hmm. And one big component would be like ester. And esters in organic chemistry is known to calm you. Mm. So, And there's so many other components in mm-hmm. lavender. But if you know the chemistry, you can kind of know how to blend for what you're dealing, what case you're dealing with for that dog. And it's interesting to bring up chemistry and understanding what molecules mm-hmm. You know, understanding it on that level because dogs' sense of smell is on that level mm-hmm. of of not just smelling lavender, but they're oh. probably smelling the different the oh, different molecules. Their brain knows. Yeah, yeah, their brain knows the molecule that gets sent up through the limbic system, and and then it just converts it and sends it through the central nervous system, and mm. it just does its job in the body. And that's what's so amazing about this. Yeah. Modality. I sometimes when when lavender is in in bloom, whatever you say, mm-hmm. uh, and it is in force out here and I'm out with a client uh, dog and I'm it, most opportunities I have, I am very drawn to it. So I'll grab a little bit of it and smush it up mm-hmm. in my fingers oh, yeah. and then just like, yeah, 
oh, it smells so good. Yeah. And if I have a dog with me, there's been a few times where I'm like, I just offer it to the mm-hmm. dog. What happens? Usually they just sniff it and then That's keep enough. going. Dogs They're are like, very quick with their reaction. And mm-hmm. even little bits of no- a nasal flares in their nostrils, maybe some licking. Sometimes you'll get some yawning, not over yawning, but just right. small yawning. Yeah. And um, I've had even a dog rub themselves all over me. Yeah. So, I mean, it can come from a big, <laughs> That's wide That's a clear range. message, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> but you, I think you are really right when it comes to body language and really listening and watching for the subtle, mm-hmm. subtle body motions yeah. of a dog. And this is why it's good. This is why it's good if you're interested in mm-hmm. checking this out with your dog to have Joni come to your house, which she does in-home consultations. She can also do phone consultations for blending um, but in-home consultations for this aromatics and so that you have the guidance of a professional who not only knows mm-hmm. the makeup, the chemical makeup of all the different scents and what they, what applications and all that sort of thing, but to really be able to read the animal as an individual and get it right so that you're not, you know, thinking, oh, my dog loves this. And then it's actually kind of have doesn't have a positive reaction. And you right. brought up a really important point. That is, I think, really important, and I'm I'm very sensitive to this in the world where if I if a dog if I have a strong reaction to a dog's perfume mm-hmm. perfumed shampoo, and I'm like, oh. whoa, yeah, that is strong. I can't imagine what it's like for the animal to be wearing mm-hmm. that around all the time. And you said that there's actually some some oils that are you don't want to use near a dog, Correct. like tea tree. Correct. Yes, tea tree is. There have been few cases, but and I've even known this to happen in people, mm. but it can cause paralysis. Tea tree is not something you want to use with dogs mm. unless they select it themselves, and that's pretty rare. And there's like tea tree shampoos all over the place. They are for forced on the and, animals, and it yeah. really it's not doing any good because by the time they eat, first of all, you don't know what type of tree tree they're using. You don't know what quality. Right, and that was so, the other thing you yeah. said is the importance of the quality of the oil. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, what are now? You said um, a lot of um, you know bereavement, grief. Um, helping in transition, Mm -hmm. which grief is under that for sure, but other transitions, um, even aggression, stress, anxiety, uh, all sorts of, um, are there any others that pop into your head? Well, yeah, physical issues, even with uh, coming out of rehab, Mm. scars, Mm. um, increasing range of motion, digestion. We have a lot of dogs with ulcers and irritable Mm -hmm. bowel. Um, or colitis. Um, so we have oils that can really f- fast. Yeah. I mean, fast. It only takes three seconds to get into the bloodstream. Yeah. We have um, peppermint oil for mm-hmm. us, not mm-hmm. for the dogs, and we put it in capsules. Mm-hmm. And if if I have a, you know, sort of a sour, upset, or heavy mm-hmm. feeling in my stomach, I'll put some of that peppermint oil, and it's a very high-quality mm-hmm. oil, and in the capsule and then swallow it right. with water. Mm-hmm. And then it just, uh, you know, before not too long, there's just this like pretty intense but really nice like cooling. Up it just kind of calms it down. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's amazing. But I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I would be nervous to use any sort of minty anything with a dog. Oh, why? No, you can use peppermint with a dog. You can. Yes. A matter of fact, you can dilute it with 
uh, fractionated coconut oil. Mm. And so it would be like one drop of peppermint essential oil mm-hmm. to maybe four drops of coconut, fractionated coconut. Mm-hmm. And you can just rub it right on their stomach. Mm. And you can do that to yourself, too, if you don't want to take it internally or mm. you don't mind doing that. I like swallowing it because yeah. it just uh, get that cooling feeling in your stomach. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Joni's website is sarita.com. I will post this on uh, our homepage, which is dogradioshow.com. Sarita, S-O-R-I-T-A dot com. And you can find out um, about you know, keep in touch with the website, find out about upcoming classes that she has going on and also her contact information. If you'd like to schedule a consultation, she comes to your home or your um, shelter, shelter or stable Correct. or um, <clears throat> and check her out. She's wonderful. Sarita.com is the website. Thank you so much for being with us today. It was nice to have you back. Thank you for having me, Julie. And when we come back, we'll be talking with Connie Newcomb, who is the author of Dog Show Confidential, a great book about her experience getting into the dog show world and ultimately into Westminster. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk 1150. Lavender, you'll feel just fine, but one thing sure, you'll never be the same. If you'd like to try your hand at understanding lavender, then you must be very sure that life is not a game. You might... Who is Jopra? What is Jopra? When is Jopra? Joe Janot is the host of a brand new show called Jopra. Joe has been nicknamed Jopra by his friends and colleagues who find his advice and insight to be enlightening, just like a certain other talk show host of World Without. Born and raised in Seattle, independent-minded Joe Janot is bringing issues to the airwaves that make you ponder, laugh, and deliberate. The Jopra Show is about the ins and outs of food and drink, relationships, entertainment, and so much more. Get to know Jopra every Thursday at 2, right here on Alternative Talk. 1150. Want a faster metabolism? Desperate for more energy throughout the day? Food is our most powerful medicine, and on Passionate Nutrition Radio, I'll answer your burning nutrition questions and offer real solutions for your family. On Passionate Nutrition Radio, you'll learn how to transform how you look and feel with the foods that you eat. My name is Jennifer Adler, and I'm a nutritionist, chef, and founder of Passionate Nutrition, a nutrition practice with six locations throughout the greater Puget Sound area. Join me on Passionate Nutrition Radio for a weekly serving of nutrition wisdom. Learn more at PassionateNutrition.com. That's Passionate Nutrition every Friday at noon. For more than 25 years, All the Best Pet Care has been helping people choose the best foods, treats, and toys for their dogs and cats. They are a locally owned family business bringing about little miracles every day by following the Mother Nature model of nutrition. Stop by to meet their adoption cats, schedule an anesthesia-free dental cleaning, or bring your dog to the toy testing area. Visit their new store in Edmonds next to the PCC and their expanded Redmond store in the Whole Foods Plaza. To learn more, go to allthebestpetcare.com or follow them on Facebook. News, traffic, and weather? Now you can get your information fixed weekdays on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. And we're back with Connie Newcomb, who is calling us from Pennsylvania, and she's the author of Dog Show Confidential, 
sneaking in the back door of Westminster. And, of course, we are just coming off of the Seattle Kennel Club Dog Show. So uh, still uh, remembering um, all the fun that we had there. Connie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Thank you. So I'm, I was just telling you uh, before, the, the, uh, before we came back on that I'm in a great part of the book to be talking with you because it's like I'm kind of dying to get back to find out how things continue to go. Um, but it'll also be good for our listeners because I won't give anything away for people who uh, buy the book and read it themselves. I won't be spoiling anything. So um, it's a really, really fun book. And it's it's a story about your sort of journey into the show, the dog show world coming from not having any participation and then um, ultimately uh, finding yourself at Westminster. So it's just a great, great story. And, um, and your breed of uh, your main breed is the Chihuahua. Yes. And how many do you have now? Um, I have eight Chihuahuas. You have eight now. Well, I think uh, at the part of the book that I'm in, I think you're up to four. Yes. So much has happened. <laughs> now, yeah, how? Well, the the journey of more chihuahuas is probably going to be a, a, another book in the future. But uh, right now, I do I do have eight chihuahuas. Yeah. And do you? Um, so I don't. Well, I guess I won't ask that because I don't want to give anything away. So, first of all, just before I forget, when you were talking about. Um, you said in your book, I love the scent of clean paws. And then you said, I always thought they smelled like popcorn. Yeah. We, uh, when I was young, well, when I was in high school, we had a Karen Terrier. Mm-hmm. And we used to always call her paws popcorn paws. Oh, isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. Because I've heard people say that they've thought it smelled like different things, but that was the first time someone actually said popcorn. And I was like, that's what I think, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a good smell. So, for a dog lover, it's the best. <laughs> yeah. So you you sort of just get start getting well it was a dream of yours. You sort of I think had this idea for quite some time before it actually started happening. Well, I when gosh, going back to 1999, um we lived close to New York. We're only about an hour and 15 minutes and our kids were young then. I mean, uh, my son was only 10 years old. Uh, we went to our first Westminster show. And I just was so amazed at the beauty and the um, skill that was shown, you know, especially the, just being around so many dogs. And yeah. just had such a good time. And from then on, we went every year. And I used to think, oh, well, wouldn't that just be cool to do that? But I never thought that ever thought that I could possibly do that, that it was something that just a regular person could could end up doing. Uh-huh. And by chance, I I had a friend. I mean, I'd had this, the same friend for many years, but she had bred the first litter of chihuahuas that I got my first pet from. Uh-huh. Oh, there they are chiming in. <laughs> Making trouble. <laughs> um, and uh, she started to get back into showing dogs. Um, but she was showing French bulldogs at that time. Uh-huh. And uh, so 
I, you know, I'd ask her all these questions, and I thought it was so cool that she did this. And she, so one day, I, she said, you know, I'm getting some show chihuahuas. Now, she'd always showed French bulldogs, and I thought, that just sounds so interesting. And so she took me aside, and I was asking her and asking her, and I said, you know, I'm just looking for something to do. You know, my kids are growing up now. And right feeling a little lost, and my mother was very ill, and I was just kind of like, just looking for something to do. Yeah. Uh, And she said, well, why don't you help me out with the chihuahuas? You know, you love chihuahuas, and I have one that I, I have two. She actually had one that was not hers. She was training the dog, and she said, help me train little Broadway. Right. And, um... And little did I know what I was getting myself into. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it sounds like your your first, you know, several times, or I I don't know how over how long of a period of time, but when you started out, she was just a puppy, and you were brand new, just learning how to be a handler, and she was not easy. Oh, <laughs> she was. I mean, the first handling class I took her to. My friend was would take was taking me to the handling classes so that I could learn. But the handling classes were mostly full of people that were already knew everything about dog shows and had been doing handling right. handling dogs for years. So I felt I was already the odd man out and felt yeah. But I have no I you know I've only ever been to a dog show. I've never I don't know anything about it. Right. Um. And so <laughs> she was just you know she was this little tiny thing. She was so cute, but she just, no matter what you wanted her to do, she just, she would just either choke herself on the leash or she would try to jump off the table. And between the two of us, neither of us knew what to do. And I mean, it was just so embarrassing and yeah, dreadful, really. Yeah. But, you know, I, I just was determined to keep trying, but she was, she was a handful. She it, still is a handful. She, she's, the one making trouble right now. Oh, I see. Well, she knows we're talking about her. Yeah, I think so. She has some things to say and would like to add some things, so I can understand that. Yeah. Um, now, it's even more, remar- I mean, I think for that reason, it's even more remarkable that you stayed in it. I mean, I was thinking, my gosh, you know, you were like, oh, I wonder if I could, if I could ever do that. And then your first time trying it, you have this dog that's really hard to handle and didn't give you an easy time of it, and yet you still, you still kept going, and and you still came back, and you you weren't like, yeah, this isn't for me. Well, two reasons really. She was not my dog, and I was helping a friend, so I felt that I wanted to help her. But also, she was very encouraging. My friend really, yeah, you know, we can do this, you can do this, and. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking, oh, I don't think so. But, you know, I'm just going to I'm going to give it my best shot. And, you know, <laughs> there were times when I was very discouraged. Yeah. How long did it take you to uh, for Broadway to, um, uh, you know, transform into this dog that did well? You know, when it was when you were in the ring where she sort of calmed down and got the hang of it and. How long did that process take? Well, she she was a funny little dog because I never knew what she would do. 
Yeah. I mean, there were certain, she, she's very, uh, she didn't like men, but she liked some men. But yeah. I never knew which ones. Yeah. And I never knew what she would do in the ring. Sometimes she was great. She would walk and pose and, you know, engage the judge. And then sometimes she was awful. I mean, she would just spin and, you know, go the wrong way. And usually she'd poop or pee. I mean, it was just, <laughs> what, what else can we do? Yeah. So, I mean, she was, she was very unpredictable. Um, but eventually she did learn to walk very well and she stood well. And the most engaging thing, I mean, she could look, if she was charming, she was extraordinarily charming. I mean, she's a beautiful dog. Yeah. And she would look at a judge, and I could tell. And it, it was love at first sight, but I never knew what she was going to do. So, yeah. I mean, it took, by the time she was about a, a year old and more, uh, it took a good six months to a year that I could really feel good about showing her. But even even then, no, she would have days when she just, just decided she didn't like the judge and she didn't want to be there. Right. And then it's more of just about who she is and her personality, and that that's, that's not something that's likely to change or that you'd even be interested in trying to change. But as far as just getting her to, you know, to be just be able to be in the ring and be present and... Oh, well, she was, I mean... My most proudest moment, I think, I had been taking her to handling classes for probably a year, and um, she was almost a champion by then. And one of the ladies looked at me and, you know, she said, I can't believe that's the same dog. I Mm. can't believe that's the same dog that you brought in Mm -hmm. a year ago. I mean, she was, when she was good, she was amazing. Mm -hmm. So that made me feel very proud that I had I had come so far. Yeah. Well, and you, it's a, it's also, you know, a, you put a lot of work in, into her and working with her and st- sticking with it, sticking with it. And you were really dedicated to, to working on it. And I think that that's something for people who live with pet dogs that have, you know, challenging behaviors or, you know, or someone who's just, just has a new dog or just adopted a dog or whatever. And that sometimes things just take a little bit of time and you just have to stick with it. So, oh, you know, it's a good, yeah. uh, you know, a good reminder for people. You know, the work that I do here in Seattle is I do in-home private lessons for training and behavior for pet dogs. And, you know, people, I think, get get a little antsy when there's not uh, just an immediate, immediate result or, you know, and some things are a process. Yeah, and, you, you know, know I. When people when people ask me and often do ask me about dogs and advice on dogs, and I say, you know, you you have to you have to put the time in. Yeah. If you're not going to put the time in, don't get a dog. Yeah. You know, so many sad stories about people that give up dogs for the, you know, the dumbest reasons because well, they shouldn't have had a dog in the first place. But it's it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. You have to really dedicate yourself to putting the time in and, and being patient. Mm-hmm. And little dogs take a little longer, I think. <laughs> They're they're tough. <laughs> they are tough. They are yeah. The 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 toughest dogs that I've worked with, who 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 put up the, who were the, able to be the most stubborn, um, are small female dogs, oh, by I, far. I, I, 
Well, that's, you know, that's why they call them, you know what. Right. Right. All right. Well, we're going to take a break, a quick break, and we're going to come back and talk more with Connie Newcomb, who's the author of Dog Show Confidential, Sneaking in the Back Door of Westminster. Uh, We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice jetcityanimalclinic.com For local news events and silliness tune into Concerning Washington We are committed to providing you with the most recent and interesting stories affecting the Pacific Northwest. CW Talk Radio brings you several sides of local news stories and a pretty unique sense of humor that'll start your weekend off right Your hosts Tim, Lynn and Anna, keeping you informed and entertained every Saturday at noon This week if April showers bring May flowers, what do May flowers bring? Pilgrims, Saturday at noon. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's Dog Behavior Training and Nutrition Specialist, www.sensitivedog.com. This is Martha Norwalk, every Sunday morning beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to All Breed Equine Rescue in Marysville and Northwest Cellars Winery, we cover the world of animals. This week it's the fourth Sunday in a five-Sunday month, so that means a bonus show this month. What we'll be doing is still undecided, either a special vet Sunday with a veterinary specialist or a healing Sunday with acutonics for dogs and cats with open phone lines for your behavior and training calls. Tune in to find out. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Like what you hear? Be sure and support the sponsors who support your favorite programs on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. like a Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk 1150. And we're back with Connie Newcomb, who's the author of Dog Show Confidential, Sneaking in the Back Door of Westminster. Welcome back, Connie. Thank you. And Connie lives with now eight chihuahuas. Now, are they all chihuahuas? Well, um, I have eight chihuahuas. Eight chihuahuas. And a Japanese chin. And, and a Japanese chin. 
And my daughter's dog is living with us now. She's a uh, rescue mutt. Okay. So you have 10 dogs. Yes. <laughs> Man, that makes my four seem like uh, just, uh, you know, nothing. Well, what, see, I always say to people, my dogs all together weigh about 60 pounds. So Good that's... point. Good point. Yeah, I've definitely got more poundage in the house. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were talking a little bit about, you know, it's such a great book. I really recommend it. It's called Dog Show Confidential. Connie, where is it available for people to buy? It is available at Amazon uh, and Barnes & Noble. Wonderful. Dog Show Confidential. Um, your, you know, your story of uh, getting kind of into the dog show world. And uh, we were talking about, um, just before break, about your all the work that it took for you with your first show dog, who's still with you. She's now five years old. And she's, she's a... retired. I mean, she's not... She's, I don't show her anymore. She's retired. Yeah, she's spayed and retired. Okay. And um, and her name... What's her name now? Because it's... Call her Katie. Katie. So, um, you know, when you first started learning yourself how to how to be a handler in a dog show, um, you know, she was tough and it was a process. And one of the things that you wrote about, there was somebody that you met who who kept telling you, you know, sort of a, a few times throughout the book, you know, treat her like a dog. Don't don't pick her up and carry her all the time because you were working with some uh, fearful behaviors and some insecurity. Yeah. So I wanted you to share a little bit more about that because I think that that's a tendency that people, that's really easy to get into for people who have really little dogs is to carry them around all the time. Yes. And I think um, when you have a little dog, you, you tend to, tr- I think people treat little dogs differently because they're very cute and they always seem puppy-like, but you have to remember this is still a dog. Mm -hmm. And coddling and caring all the time is not good for the dog. I mean, we found that we realized that she was fearful, and the reason was we just didn't allow her to be, you know, to be on the floor and to be with the other dogs and to gain the confidence that she needed. Mm -hmm. Um, When I got... uh, Another, when I got my second show dog, uh, I was very careful to, to make sure that she was socialized like that. And, and, you know, consequently, she's very confident and, and had no fear at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, as a dog owner, you have to, you, you really, you have to remember this is a dog. I don't, it, whether it's cute and tiny, it's still a dog. And you have to train it and you have to socialize it and make sure that it's, you know, a dog that you can have among people and the dog is not afraid because a fearful dog can be a dangerous dog. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's so much to it. Now, one of the things that I want to um, wanted to talk about as part of part of your experience about getting into the world of of dog shows is it sounded like um, as especially as someone who's new, and I'm curious to know if that has changed for you at all, but it sounded like you you encountered uh, your fair share of attitude from other people who were there. Is it a tough um, a tough world to get into as a newbie? Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's 
you know, at first for me, I my inexperience and I, I always felt kind of, um, I, I felt that, you know, people were judging me. And, but there is, there is a certain amount of attitude. Um, for the most part, I have always tried to be very nice to people. And generally, if you're nice, people will be nice to you. But it's very, very competitive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there is a lot of, uh, sometimes there are dirty looks and a little bit of, nasty comments and um (laughs) drama yeah there's a lot yeah there's a lot of drama do you think that it's because do you think that it's because you know the the human dog relationship is a complex one i mean it's a for us it's a very emotionally intimate relationship different of course from relationships with people other people you know human to human but it's a very very deep connection that we have with our dogs and that can present challenges because of that fact, because we, we, we can project onto dogs, we can over-identify with our dogs. And I wonder if, if it's, it's an interesting kind of dynamic with dog shows where the dogs are the ones being judged, but I bet it, it probably brings in, it's a very personal experience, does a very personal thing for the, for the, the owner-handler especially, I would think who's maybe really identifying with the dog, and if the dog doesn't win and then this dog does win, and what does that mean about me as an individual? Like, it probably gets pretty complex. Well, I think, you know, for all of us, we're very proud of our dogs. You know, we just like children. I mean, we think our dogs are perfect and special and wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you know, we want the judge to pick that dog, our dog. Um, and, you know... I'm, I mean, it is. It's just very competitive, and I, I do think that, um, you know, we look at our dogs as, we, you know, we think they're wonderful. Why don't you think they're wonderful? You right, know? right. Now, there's also a point, it was interesting to see your progression as you got more and more into the world, where um, you said, I was also wearing very cute socks with chihuahuas on them, Yes, I was starting to resemble all the other dog nuts at the dog shows. Yeah. Everyone wore some kind of clothing featuring the image of their breed. And this is one of my favorite parts of the Seattle Kennel Club dog show because I have a booth there every year. And is seeing that, um, seeing those the accessories and the clothing, um, the breed-specific fashion that's out yeah. there, um, to me is... I just get such a, such a kick out of it, and I also, it's very impressive to me, and I can totally see how people, I mean, you get into your breed, and then you're just wanting to represent, like here, you know, you're proud of, of the breed that you show. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, I do have, yeah, I do have some things with chihuahuas on it, yeah. <laughs> I think we all have uh, that tendency to Yeah. do that. Yeah, you also said that you did notice, and I've noticed this as well, and um, that people do sort of tend to resemble the dogs that they have or that they live with or that they show. Uh, Sometimes remarkably so. Yeah. I saw some of that going on at the Seattle Kennel Club Dog Show for sure. I was like, whoa, definitely. 
Yeah, you can almost pick them out. I mean, you almost say, yeah. I know what kind of dog you have. <laughs> right. Yeah. So do you think that you look like chihuahuas or resemble chihuahuas? Do I look like a chihuahua? <laughs> I don't know. I'd like to think so. I think chihuahuas are awfully cute. Well, there's if you're listening, you can judge for yourself when you get the book. It's called Dog Show Confidential. There is a picture of Connie, and is this Katie? Yes, that was the yes. It's a picture of of Kate. Yeah, uh, yeah she's, she's cute. Yeah, <laughs> I would say that you definitely re- like it. It's a fit. It's oh, a good, good fit. Good. Yep. Good. So now, was the second dog that you referred to is that Gypsy? Gypsy, yes. Okay, she's adorable. There's oh. some really cute photos of your gang um, in the book as well. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then I have a few more questions for you, Connie, about the the world of show dogs. Okay. Uh, Connie's the author of Dog Show Confidential, Sneaking in the Back Door of Westminster. It's her journey from someone who did not participate at all in dog shows. Then she was a spectator with her family. They went to Westminster And she uh, found herself all the way actually showing in Westminster. It's a great story. Dog Show Confidential. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk 1150. Dog Show! Dog Show! Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different proteins to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their Burien shop, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your home. Natural Pet Pantry will even work with your vet to custom blend a prescription diet for your pet's unique needs. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. Natural Pet Pantry. It just makes sense. Camly Electric Incorporated is a full-service electrical contractor. From simple home repairs to full remodels, new construction, and small commercial projects, our qualified electricians do it all. We pride ourselves on our workmanship and professional standards, delivered with value in mind. Located in historic Ballard, Kemley Electric serves the greater Seattle metropolitan area. Licensed, bonded, and insured. Kemley Electric welcomes all inquiries about your electrical needs. Visit the website kemleyelectric.com. That's K-E-M-L-Y electric.com. Do you have an injury, old or new, that won't heal? Are you fighting a cold or illness you can't kick? Do you feel like you've tried everything and are still struggling to find wellness and balance in your physical health? Have you been unimpressed with acupuncture in the past? For over a decade, Robert Meduzia has been making a difference for people who thought they had exhausted their options. Don't settle for pain and illness. Call 425-828-6190. That's 425-828-6190. Again, 425-828-6190. The Acupuncture and Sports Clinic of Kirkland. Heal faster, play longer. Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. 
Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice. JetCityAnimalClinic.com. Notice anything different? You should. There's no other station like Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. We are talking to Connie Newcomb, who's the author of Dog Show Confidential, sneaking in the back door of Westminster. Welcome back, Connie. Thank you. And we were just talking uh, during break about something that I think is a really uh, valuable perspective for people to hear, Um, because I think that your average dog lover or person who lives with a dog probably doesn't know too much about dog shows and really what goes on, you know, like really what goes on. I mean, they see the dogs in the rings. If the person even goes to dog shows, uh, you know, for entertainment, they're a dog enthusiast or just love, you know, love to be around all those dogs. Um, There's probably a lot that's really not understood or misunderstood about the show world. And then there's a lot of people who are critical about the show world because of the very real problem that we have of overpopulation. And so, you know, the overpopulation on the one hand and shelters overflowing and millions of dogs every year being euthanized and all that. And then on the other hand, having breeders. And I think it's an it's important to distinguish breeders who, in your experience, you know, the people who you have met and you've met a lot of people over the years in dog shows generally are are great you know upstanding breeders who take good care of their dogs who are passionate about their dogs and the breed and who really do their best to better the breed versus breeders so I'm curious Connie your your perspective then would it then be you know, of course, I've talked about puppy mills and all that, all that on the show before. Um, you know, a few times, uh, and that's not what we're talking about here. Um, so, would you say that it's breeders who aren't necessarily participating in the show world that are the ones that um, are maybe doing more harm than good? Well, in the show world, people who breed the best dogs that they can first of all they're not they're not they're breeding maybe one litter a year mm-hmm. the, the breeding is very careful I mean they put their heart and soul and money into health testing and making sure that dogs hips are correct and the eyes are good and the hearts are good I mean they're not those dogs are not ending up in shelters I mean those dogs there's these are the animals that you know hopefully and the other thing that these breeders do is when they find homes for these dogs, I mean, you basically have to, you know, you kind of have to jump through hoops. I mean, right. Contracts. I mean, they don't just let their dogs go to anybody. Right. So, I mean, you know, it's, I think it's so unfair to blame uh, anything having to do with the show community on, unfortunately, you know, too many dogs that, that 
do not have phones. And, and I, you know, I, I just think it's very sad, and, and I, I don't know what the solution is, but I think uh, you, you certainly can't blame the show community. They are, they are the ones who are doing their best to be good readers and, and contribute, you know, wonderful, healthy dogs and get them the best homes available. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so... Well, it's an important distinction. I mean, I I always love going to the local, you know, Seattle Kennel Club dog show every year. And I'm a dog, obviously, <laughs> a major, major, major dog enthusiast, all types of dogs. And I've, you know, given my life to this professionally with the radio show and dog training and behavior and all that stuff. And I really, really have a lot of respect and appreciation for the history um, of dog, of, of, you know, what breeds represent historically as far as the human dog relationship, what, what there is to understand about dogs in knowing the difference between uh, how a chihuahua might, might operate and might be wired genetically versus a, uh, you know, cattle dog or lab. You know, so I think that there's a lot of value in, in understanding the different breeds and really celebrating them and doing it responsibly, and it doesn't seem like that's really, that's, you know, the cause. I don't see that to be the cause of all of the, you know, millions of dogs every year in shelters who get, you know, I mean, there's other other reasons I think that that happens, and it's such a huge, huge issue that's so entangled. I mean, if we had the answer, then I think we would be executing it, but I don't think that we've really figured that well, out yet. You know, I truly believe that... Um you know, we, we, we don't know. I, I would like to think we, we could do more with spay and neuter. Um, you know, there's, there's just, unfortunately, a lot of people that think they can just breed dogs and yeah. without any knowledge or, or um, background. All the way up to the puppy mills that are like uh, factory you know, farm mass yeah, producing. Yeah. I mean, those should just not be legal. First of all, let's let's state the obvious. Those should not be legal. I mean, that's number one. Absolutely. And the other thing, too, is that, um, you know, I think that the, the reality is that overpopulation is a huge problem. We're talking millions, millions of dogs a year get euthanized because there's nowhere to go. Right. And so this idea of anti-euthanasia and no-kill shelters and um, uh, is, to me, unrealistic. And I think what I feel upset about is that dogs, you know, I don't, it's, not, it's not a life for a dog to, to live their life in a shelter, stressed out, just to keep them alive. Yeah. And I also think that there should be more done about, you know, I, um, ideally where dogs, the dogs are evaluated and that the dogs that are potentially dangerous that, you know, if we're going to put resources and energy into finding homes for dogs who are homeless, that we should make sure that they're not dangerous. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, I think we've come a long way, but we've got a long way to go. Yeah. Well, and dogs in general are such an interesting um, uh, manifestation of humanity. I mean, the dogs exist as directly as a result of human contact. I mean, the species, you know, if you look at evolution... Um, they exist because of us. And I think it's a really special relationship over tens of thousands of years that we've essentially co-evolved 
And I, I feel pretty certain in my own beliefs that we would not be humans would not be as successful as we are if it wasn't for the partnership that we've had with dogs. I mean, if when you talk about uh, uh, security and being alerted to predators or potential danger to livestock management, you know, all of these things that dogs have done for us and with us historically have really contributed to our success, I think. Um, and it's, uh, it's be a shame to really lose that in, in all of the other stuff that modern, all the other complexities that modern society bring. Um, but one of the things that I, I love about the dog shows and going is, is that really getting to see the breeds and, and the history, like I said, um, understanding, oh, this dog was bred to, to do this. And, and they used to actually really do it a lot. <laughs> and, yeah. Well, ingrained i mean they are you know you i mean we had corgis and boy did they want to hurt us around the house yeah yeah they were just uh that that they that was definitely part of their makeup yep and i have two cattle dogs australian cattle dogs and i'll tell you I, there was no training involved in teaching those two how to herd i mean they just yeah. do it it's amazing and that's important to respect about dog breeds and important for people to know if they are looking at you know, getting a dog and maybe don't know a lot about dogs and are looking at a purebred dog or rescuing a purebred dog or even a mixed breed dog to do some research and to understand what these, you know, how are these dogs wired? What do they want to do? What's going to make them happy? And are you a good fit? Yeah, it's so important. I mean, people, you know, if you're going to get a dog, you need to know something about dogs in general. But, right. you know, a breed, when you when you seek out a breed, you can learn so much about it. Yeah. Well, uh, Connie Newcomb is the author of Dog Show Confidential, uh, Sneaking in the Back Door of Westminster. Uh, wonderful book. Uh, I can't wait to get back to it because I'm really, things are starting to happen and I'm dying to find out about how things play out. Um, wonderful book. I highly recommend it. You can get it on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble, Dog Show Confidential, Connie Newcomb. I'll post all of this information on our website, dogradioshow.com. And if you've missed any part of this interview, you can listen to it archived on our website and also as a free podcast on iTunes. Just search for The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Connie, thank you so much for your time today and for being on the show. It was really wonderful to talk with you. Thank you, Julie. I enjoyed it. All right. We'll be back next Wednesday live, 2 to 3 p.m. and Encore broadcast this Sunday at 1. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show.